Hello, welcome back to Mr. Matinee, and thank you for participating here in this new audio. And a lot of people make videos, but for right now, I'm gonna make audios. I really want to focus on um, making them. And um, right now, I had just discussed extract a couple days ago from 2009, and without really planning or anything, I figured I'd discuss from 1999 a movie that is. I've never heard another human being ever discuss called Limbo. And it has, uh, well, you know, David Strathairn and Mary Elizabeth, Master Antonio, favorite actors of mine, and Chris Christopherson, and another person I'm fond of, Casey Semeshko. Um, it has a really talented performance, or at least kind of interesting a lot of content to be gone over I mean a lot of lot going on with the character at least and I think she does a good job with it is someone named uh, Vanessa Martinez uh, Vanessa Martinez seems like she's been on different TV shows through the years and she was in um, the director of this movie uh, other films and this is a movie by John Sayles John Sayles I believe it may have originally come up with E.T. or had some involvement in that. He was involved with a lot of Roger Corman pictures. And then throughout the mid-80s, and I'd say up until, oh, well, until the mid-2000s, he was a really well-known independent filmmaker. But just going to show you how the world of movies has changed, I never hear anyone talking about him anymore. It's almost like the people that did talk about him have passed away and this new generation of social justice warrior, critic type person, really has no idea who John Sales is. Um, so that's particularly what's happened in this turnover. And I think a lot of it's intentional. They don't like that he's a white guy making these movies with diverse casts and um, various messages in them. Uh, if it was a black guy, I'm sure it would be a different deal. Or if it was a guy that you know, maybe they could get a better handle on, or, I mean, it really does impede it. If he was a white woman, I think it would, they would celebrate him even more. There's something kind of very uh, interesting about each one of his films. I think I've seen every one of them that's available for really wide release. There's the last two or three I've, I looked up, and uh, could discuss a little bit further if I were given the opportunity to see them. Um, but there was one oh, about nine, ten years back with uh, Danny Glover that I don't think critics liked as much as some of John Sales' other work. So they kind of maybe jumped shit. I think it was Honey Dripper. And maybe that was one of his worst movies. Because I think with that film, he was actually trying to do something that they would like, something more flagrant you know, race-baiting type stuff like Butler or something like that. Yeah, Honey Dripper. And that was about 14 years back now. So they didn't like... That didn't really catch on. And then from that point on, uh, you know... Yeah, it was it was one of his least well-received films. Um, I happen to really like one from 2002. I almost said 2004, but... I saw both. I thought I saw Sunshine State. I don't believe I did see that in theaters. I believe I had to rent that one, and I think that's a really effective film. I think maybe if Timothy Hutton 
if you could sub him out and you know put him in a different role or maybe just omit him from it um and so John Sales you know he's I could name some of the screenplays some of the big screenplays that he's written because I know he's worked on a lot of different movies he wrote an early draft of E.T. he wrote Clan of the K-Bear he wrote um a movie with Kathleen Quinlan called Wild Thing he wrote the Breaking In movie that starred Casey Zemesco and Burt Reynolds and he talks about that in the commentary that he wrote breaks it, it to be um, that case to work with Casey um, he wrote Men of War which is a pretty underrated uh, uh, Dolph Lundgren movie hard to believe that he wrote that but he did uh, he wrote The Howling uh, I don't know to what extent he wrote The Howling but he wrote The Howling huh. and with a guy named Terrace Winkless Terrence Winkless he wrote The Lady in Red. He wrote Battle Beyond the Stars, which is uh, pretty interesting. Uh, an uncredited rewrite on Apollo 13. And Spiderwet Chronicles, he was a co-writer. So it's like basically to fund his life, he's done a lot of really big budget screenplay work. Um, and to additionally fund his life, he's acted. He was in Straight Talk with... Um, uh, Dolly Parton it's not listed here but I'm absolutely certain he's in it he plays the dancing instructor um, he acts in some of his films uh, he's in matinee I didn't know that so he must be pretty close with Joe Dante I don't, I'm, not, I'm not positive about that but it seems like they have a lot of shared credits um, I never really know too much about him he seems very much like he's very far left and makes movies um, with those values in mind, but it's not over overly done. In fact, he gives a lot of the perspectives in a lot of his films, uh, where you know usually seventy thirty. It's usually like a seventy thirty split of the characters, you know how left or how right they are. But uh, you may have heard of some of his films, Casa de los Babies, that had um, Marsha Gay Harden, Maggie Gyllenhaal, and, and the woman from this movie, Vanessa Martinez, Lily Taylor's in it. Mary Steenburgen. That was also a movie that was supposed to be like a bigger film, um, but it didn't really catch on. Uh, but that was that was an interesting one. It's about like basically white women going to Central America to um, adopt other children. Um, Silver City is a really underrated film. I think Richard Dreyfuss does like an excellent, excellent job in that film. I think if maybe he wasn't such a dick or you know, maybe the release strategy of Silver State would have been a little bit better. Um, who knows? So I guess you could see that sales movies in the 80s and 90s really hit a lot more because movie like Passion Fifth, she got multiple nominations at Oscars. Um, but yeah, Silver City, I'm thinking maybe he had to put Danny Houston in the movie. I, I don't know. I got to listen to the commentary again because he never really talks about why he cast Danny Houston. But that's kind of a woo, big swing and a miss because Danny Houston's your guidebook or your basically your signpost through this whole movie, and you got Chris Cooper as like a George Bush type politician. Got all these really interesting characters. Chris is like I think the one of the cow slaughter owners or whatever. You got Maria Bella, one of her better roles. Um, Thora Birch, you know, seems like. 
that's one of her only roles you can even name after American Beauty. But yeah, that that was like, oh wow, is that really her? Tim Roth kind of underused in the film. Daryl Hannah, you know, really effective little bit type situation, good good stuff. But like, I almost think that that could have been so much better if they had a different lead playing opposite her. Uh, Billy Zane's very effective in it. Um, so I'm talking about Limbo today, so I guess I should just get onto that topic. I feel like watching Silver City now that I'm bringing it up so much. Um, I'd say probably his best overall movies are Lone Star and Matawan and Eight Man Out and um, I haven't seen Leanna. Mind you, I haven't seen Leanna. That is a movie with someone named Linda Griffiths in it, and it's a movie you never hear anything about. Uh, Leanna is more of a real drama type. Oh, it looks like it's a lesbian. She starts maybe getting involved in lesbians. Okay. Sounds like an interesting movie. Um, so I'll try to check out that one. I, I know I had the video of Baby It's You growing up. I'm not that big of a fan of that movie. Brother from Another Planet. It's good, but it goes on too long. Madawan's awesome. Ain't Man Out's great. Passion Fish, City of Hope, Secret of Rowan in it. Um, Men with Guns, pretty good. But it seems like when he goes for like more of the mm, ostentatious titles like Honey Dripper, Casa de los Babies, or Men with Guns, critics aren't really on his board on aren't really on board with him as much. Made a Philippine American war movie called Amigo. And you may go for Sisters, which is a crime drama that I thought sounded really good, actually. And Edward J. Almost and Lisa Gay Hamilton in it. Um, so anyway, that's kind of a surmisal of him. He has this producer and a lot of people that he works to on the, on the set. I think they kind of defer to him a lot. So in this film, they defer to him quite a lot because one could say, if they were more of like an American style of watching film, that this movie is incomplete. But upon listening to his entire commentary, it is definitely a choice. He definitely chooses to end the movie Limbo in an absolute state of limbo where you don't know really if the people are going to get rescued. You think they're about to get rescued because of the same plane that they saw, or you think it's the same plane from the day before, is coming back for them. But if it's, but you don't know. I mean, there's no verification of what plane it is, but if it was the plane from the day before then they might not be able to get rescued or because the guy didn't have couldn't fit everyone in there last time. So it's a complicated movie and I'll I'll discuss it from the beginning now. Uh, Limbo begins at a wedding some kind of event and they're talking about tourism and get to know all the different conflicts of the people of Juno and there's these two lesbians that want to kick this guy off their fishing either fishing rights or they're fishing property or their boat or something about this dude not fishing right and they start basically imploring uh, David Strathairn's character to start fishing for them and he's just like a handyman so they want him to start fishing for them and then at the wedding you get to know some of the peripheral characters and you get Vanessa Martinez kind of walking around and seems like she's maybe like you know there's like a flirtation going on between him and David Strathairn, or that they know each other, but she's undefined, I don't know if she's 15, I don't know if she's 19 in the movie, but she's, you know, not 25 or something like that, 
So anyway, uh, as it goes on, you get this kind of unstable woman on the stage. Um, this is probably not how John Sayles would describe the movie, but it's my interpretation of the event is that she's supposed to be portrayed as very stable and just kind of out there that likes to go, you know, taking these singing jobs for a year. But to me, I think she seems like a freaking nut. So she starts going off on the stage, um, singing a song about how she's breaking up with the guy right in the band right next to her. Uh, and I don't know if people take it seriously or not, but the guy that's in the band starts taking it seriously. I think he stops playing. Um, anyway, the waitress must be so busy she doesn't even realize this because um, Mary Elizabeth Mastrantano does some really emotional song called Better Off Without You and then just basically slams down the mic and not, not that aggressively, but like leaves the stage and is all overly caught up and then basically just walks right up to David Stewart and asks him if he's going somewhere or if she can you know, get a ride back into town, I guess. And he, he just basically, like, fucks off his responsibilities. I guess he's got some more stuff to do. But, I mean, um, gives her a ride in town. They start talking. Um, the daughter's completely left to her own devices. The random friend of her gives her a ride home. And I believe the random friend says that maybe David Strathairn was responsible for some people's death one time. So you get to hear, like, some rumor... I'm pretty sure that's what they talk about. It's sometimes hard to tell what they're talking about. So anyway, um, going forward with that, um, you get to see that David Strathairn is kind of like an outcast, but still respected in town. He's like this famous basketball player that didn't make it and became a fisherman and then was responsible for the death of a lot of people in this rather convoluted story they keep going back to. Uh, they never show it, so it's hard to really tell what exactly happens. But I think that's the point. Is just, you know, no one really knows what happened. No, no foul play or anything, but I don't know. I always thought maybe there was foul play. The first time I saw it, that maybe who knows what the fuck. This character's got some, like, mystery to him. So they were, like, getting involved. And then it turns out that... Um, the mother and daughter are always fighting, and the daughter says, you know, you're taking this guy that I'm interested in, blah, blah, blah. And um, you get to see Chris Christopherson's character, and you get the feeling that there's some real dark history between him and uh, David Strathairn. And then Chris Christopherson kind of flirts with Mary Elizabeth Antonio. And I know she trained as being a singer and this and that, but she, you can see that she is really a struggling singer and that this is you know, her career, there's a couple pieces of dialogue between her and the daughter and her and the, you know, David Strathairn, where he's like, you know, is this it? Is this really, you're not really recording no music? This is, you know, what have you ever really done and stuff? And, you know, she makes references that she's sung in every state and this and that, gone to Puerto Rico. But you get the idea. She's kind of a desperate person, and if her daughter is 15, this is a total endangerment, what she's doing. She's just basically moving from house to house, because like I was saying, she's getting a ride home with that one dude, and she swings you know, with David Stewart there, and she swings by that rocker guy's house, and he's not there, and she raids all his, all, I mean, I guess it's all her stuff, but it very well could be some of his stuff, um, and, you know, uses David Stewart there to, you know, help her get away with that and then god knows where she's staying after that because then she basically she i guess she kind of starts sleeping with uh david strathan within 
a given amount of time, maybe a week or two. So, I mean, I know we're all, they're all adults and everything like that, but she's making some pretty irresponsible decisions. So then, culminating in that, uh, you hear all sorts of people in the town, townsfolk, and then Mary Elizabeth Master Antonio gets to hear the whole horrible story from this bartender. And I don't know why the bartender is telling the story so loud, but she gets to hear the whole story from what the town believes happened is... Uh, you know that the guy was responsible for this and that so then wh when you hear the guy's responsible for a crazy boating accident wh what do you do you decide to go with him on a boat and you decide to bring your daughter as a bonding exercise oy vey <laughs> so anyway prior to that Casey Zemeshko comes to town and he seems very shady and he's kind of uh you know I really like him he does like a good Charlie Sheen type uh, energy to his characters or you know real good uh you know, me first energy all the time, and I really do like him in a lot of different films and TV shows, including his uh, NYPD Blue uh, IA role and all, all sorts of different stuff that he's done. He's a really, really underrated actor. Wish he would have maybe had one or two more big breaks. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's great to see him in this role. So he plays a brother, and the reason they're going on this big boating trip, and for whatever reason that that straight there and. Um, even invites uh, uh, them, who knows why. But anyway, he's going on this boating trip to help out his brother, and you know the brother's not telling him the whole story. Oh uh, yeah, Casey's Mesco's in Young Guns as well. Um, not really in much except Public Enemies from recent years. TV-wise, I guess he's in Billions a couple times. Maybe he's doing theater, who knows. He's about 60 years old now. Huh. Interesting. Twelve episodes of damages. So anyway, um, and all of a sudden one night, uh, Casey Zemesco's like, hell yeah, they're coming for me, and I believe they just raid the boat and they kill Casey Zemesco's character, and then David Strathairn and the two women, uh, you know, the teen and the the woman that he's dating, he tells them that we should jump out the boat swim to shore on this remote island and stay there, and that's what they do. And that's what the whole rest of the movie is is they're there trying to survive um having different revelations about what's going on with them and their interpersonal dynamics which i feel could have gotten into even more you know salacious type stuff maybe uh but anyway it's kept on a certain level kind of like uh them trying to have these mature interactions while trying to survive and not die and you know uh, the body of Shemeshko flies, to comes to shore. Different people try to kill them on the island. They have to hide. Chris Christopherson comes in a plane towards the end of it, and you think he's going to be able to rescue them. And you know he's not being honest about everything. And then the next day, another plane is arriving, or assumably another plane. And then you don't know if they're going to get rescued or not, and then the camera just ends. So at the very end of the screenplay, or the very end of the commentary, mind you, he, John Sales very expressly says, you know, you feel free to write Limbo to the return. So I figure I might as well say where I think it would live off. I think they would probably come back and kill David Strathairn and maybe rescue Mary Elizabeth Master Antonio and the daughter and or kill Master Antonio and then put the daughter in some kind of servitude of some kind. I mean, I hate to be weird about it, but, like, <laughs> the movie's got a certain... It's on a certain level, but, like, the real events of what 
Master Antonio, I'm going to blame her completely. What she sets her daughter up for is horrible. I mean, what Strith Aaron agrees to vaguely with his brother is bad, right? And to invite someone when you know that your brother is not telling you the whole truth and it's only your half-brother, that's probably bad as well. But it's on Mary Pastor Antonio to, like, vet that whole thing out and not get on a boat with someone that's more than likely to get shot and then you're going to have to fly, you know, swim for your life in freezing cold weather in Alaska to try to survive. I mean, it's the most ludicrous thing ever. So anyway, as ludicrous as the movie is, it works, and uh, you get these really talented actors and seemingly very desperate situations. I mean, I know it was uh, a lot easier for them filming it than it was actually being there, but that definitely wasn't the easiest to film either. Um, and uh, I enjoy the movie. I'm not revealing anything more than I can because I just revealed the whole movie, and um, I feel that this is... A film that's worth more discussion than it gets. Uh, it's called Limbo, and no one ever really talks about it. I think John Sills plants the seeds for that they're going to get rescued. Because um, that's why the movie's on a certain level. It's always kind of got a little twinge of hope to it. The real revelations are between the mother and daughter. It doesn't really get into the salacity of it all. So I would think that Chris Christopherson... Oh, you learned that Chris Christopherson's brother died because of David Strathairn's uh, irresponsibility, you know, 30 years earlier or whatever. So you would think maybe Christopherson is going to get over that situation. But the thing is, the drug dealers are the ones that hired him to go back on that boat and see if there are survivors. So you don't know really what his intentions are and why the boat, why the plane's coming back the next day. So anyway, a lot to discuss with it. Uh, Haskell Wexler is a cinematographer. Uh, the final song in the movie is down by Bruce Springsteen. So like John Sales can just run into Bruce Springsteen at the airport, and Bruce Springsteen can ask John Sales what he's up to, and then Bruce Springsteen can give him a song sung in falsetto. Like that's the kind of pull that John Sales has, and that's what's so crazy about it. I mean. When he says that story at the end of uh, <laughs> at the end of the making the movie Limbo, it's pretty bizarre. I mean, and you got to believe that there's some element of truth to it because it's before like a real name drop culture, and it's like John Sales doesn't need to name drop if he's got you know Bruce Springsteen's song on there, um, and he doesn't really need to name drop. I mean, he's definitely had hundreds of really big time actors in his movies um, and worked on probably 20 or 30 other movies that we don't even know about because he definitely has the reputation of a script doctor but at this point i'm gonna uh check out some other films and uh, get ready for the next audio thanks for now that was the discussion of limbo